thankful very much for that. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. In keeping with pastor's theme on climate change and this last day's revival that he's been talking about that we're praying for, and not just praying for just out there, but praying for in our church, right? You know, let's think back to the book of Acts. Let's think back about the revival that they had, where this revival was powerful. And you think about this revival that they had spread from 120 people in Jerusalem, upstairs, to literally tens of thousands throughout the vast Roman Empire. What was it that caused this revival that they had? Now, besides persecution, what were the three main elements that caused this tremendous climate change and tremendous revival that they had? I believe that they were, these three were, one, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, where it was undeniable, and so many had seen it, and they were dying even for their faith because it was a reality. Two, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, the filling indwelling baptism of the Holy Spirit. And through that, it caused a tremendous preaching throughout the whole world, a passion, and the miracles, the miracles that were just as powerful as the ones that Jesus was doing. And the third one, and this is what I want to focus on today, and that is tonight, and that is the hospitality of these believers, one to another, to all of the total, to all of the new converts, that were being saved, and to even strangers. In one generation, because of this, this revival spread like wildfire. I want to look at that subject today, and I want us to turn to our text in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. But the end of all things is at hand, and he's talking about the return of Jesus. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things, have fervent love one Uh, for, For one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let's look at this Christian hospitality. And why do I call it Christian hospitality? Because a lot of people know what hospitality is. And most people in the world, when they think about hospitality, hey, this person is very hospitable. You know, he has his mom over and he has his brothers and his sisters. He may even have some, some really good friends over, maybe even some co-workers that he likes. And he's always so nice to them. I'm not talking about that, where we have people over that are our family members or that people that we like. I'm talking about something that is a lot broader and something that's not even in our nature. So I want to look at Christian hospitality from a what is it standpoint, from a why should we do it standpoint, from a how do we do it standpoint, and from a practical um, meat and potatoes where we should do it. So let's first define what is Christian hospitality. First of all, it comes from the Greek word phylloxenia. Philoxenia. And it comes from two words, philoxenia. One is phileo. And phileo is a Greek word which means brotherly love. Brotherly love. And it really is saying 
to love somebody like he's your brother. Even though he's not your brother, you're going to love somebody as he's family. You know, the city of Philadelphia, that's where he gets his name. The city of brotherly love. Now, you may say, oh, Philadelphia is not really that much of a brotherly love type of place. But that was the original intent, and that was the name, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And then the next word is xenos, and that means stranger or foreigner, somebody that you don't know very well, somebody that's not a family member, somebody that's not really close to you. So if you put both of those names together and the meanings together, it means loving some, loving uh, strangers and foreigners as you would even a sibling. Now, the English origin of hospitality, its main word comes from the word hospital. And this comes from the Latin word hospitale, which means guest house or inn. And that comes from the word hospice, a Latin word which means stranger or guest. Now, in Bible days, and even after, uh, for many years, there was traveling missionaries, and there was business people who would travel from city to city. But back in those days, there were no hotels like there are today. There were no Hampton Inns and Hiltons and Best Westerns and Motel Sixes. Now, there were inns, very, very few of them, but they were very unsafe and seedy. Bunch of bandits, prostitution, not a good place. Just picture in your mind's eye, the homeless shelters that we have today, but much worse. That's how they were. And so Christians themselves set up guest houses for these strangers, these missionaries, these fellow co-workers from other cities, so they can have a safe, a loving, an inviting, and a friendly place to stay at. And this works so well for Years and years and years and years. Later, businesses started taking them over. The hospital then became for the sick, the ill. The hospice became for the terminally ill and the aged. That is the what. Now let's look at what does the Bible say on the why. Why should Christians show hospitality? Well, our text says, in light of eternity, of waiting for our Lord, we should, one, be serious and watchful, and love one another fervently. I looked this up in the Greek, and what does this mean? And really, it's fascinating. It means, as a runner, when you're running, and here's the finish line, and you just stretch yourself, or you're forcing yourself to be able to run faster, and it's, a, it's an exertion. And that's what the word fervent means here. It means doing something that's not normal for you, something that you're going to have to push, something that's going to be a sacrifice to do. Fervently loving. In other words, it's putting the needs of others even if it is an inconvenience to you, even if it is a sacrifice to you. And that all that should be done in spite of if somebody is treating you unkindly, and even if they're mean to you. Because that is being done by the power of God's love. That definitely is not what I learned 
hospitality in the world. Because in the world, it's, I'm going to be hospitable. But if you're going to be that way, later. I'm gonna, right? This is not how the early church grew. The early church grew not through the world's definition of hospitality, but through what the Bible says Christian hospitality should be. It says that love shall cover a multitude of sins. It means Christians should overlook the sins of him that does things against you and ready to forgive insults and unkindness. Wow. Talk about in the church. So if somebody has been mean to you or unkind to you, how do you react to that person? In fact, there are some people in here. We may not even be hanging around from one person to another because even in the church, which is not right, but here it's talking about not just to one brother to another, but to a stranger, to a person from another city, to a missionary that's come, to somebody that you don't know all that well, not like your brothers. So if we're being unkind and not showing that brotherly love here, we're definitely not going to make it in this Christian hospitality. It says, in light of all this, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, he then gives the command, be hospitable to one another. Now, I said it that way because it's not an option. For a Christian, God commands us to show Christian hospitality. And then he says, and do it without grumbling, without complaining. It says, as you have received this gift of God making your heart bigger, and forgiveness, and love, and joy, and peace, I want you to be able then to share that gift with others. Because that gift is not for yourself. It's also to help the body, the church, and others outside the church. And it says, as good stewards, we don't own this gift. God has entrusted it to us for his glory and also to help others. And when we show God's love to those who are not close to us, God says, We're showing that we're Christians and we're going to receive a blessing directly from God. So the Bible is full of many other scriptures and examples of Christian hospitality. Romans 13, it says, practice hospitality. In other words, go out of your way to love strangers, even enemies, as if they were your siblings. Now, why did God command, love your neighbor as yourself? Because it's not in our nature to do that. As humans... This is not normal for us. But as we are born again, God gives us the bigger heart and the ability to be able to love our wives, love our husbands, love our brothers, love our sisters, love our moms, and then even further out. But if you have a small heart and you something is right with you, then you're going to have a problem with your mom or your uh, husband or your whomever else, much more persons that are not close to you. It says in 1 Timothy 3, 2 and Titus 1, 8, says, show that Christian, it talks about Christian hospitality. And when we show that, it's a mark that we, one, know God, and two, that we are spiritually mature. In other words, 1 Timothy 3, 2, Titus 1, 8 says, if you really want to know if you're a Christian, is One, by you showing this Christian hospitality and thinking about somebody, not just yourself, but others, 
God's done a work in your life. God is in you. And you say, but God is in me. But you're not exemplifying this. Then your spiritual maturity still needs to grow. Hebrews 13.2. It says, don't forget to entertain strangers. Because they may be angels in human form. Messengers of God. Genesis 18. Abraham. You can read it for yourself. Here he was. He sees these three men. He doesn't know who they are. And immediately he goes out and he wants to be able to feed them, help them. And he finds out that it's an Old Testament form, theophany, I think it's called, of Christ. Jesus in the Old Testament along with two angels. He didn't know that at first. Matthew 25, it says, As much as, much as you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it unto me. Jesus said, if you help that person out, you know that person's in need, and you know that you can help that person. Help them, because you may even be doing it to me. That on the day of judgment, people are going, Lord, when did we do that? When did we help that person out? When did we give food for that person? When did we invite that person into our house? As you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it. To me. Therefore, hospitality is displaying acts of kindness to individuals we don't know very well and who, one, may turn out to be angels in the form of humans. Two, they may turn out to be our Christian friends. Or three, neither. We may never see them again. But at least they'll know true Christian hospitality. And they've seen, hey, I know at that place, that place, they've never treated me anywhere like that place. That place has true hospitality. So now let's look at how. How are we to exercise Christian hospitality? And you'll be asking right now, how can I and with what can I show this Christian hospitality? Well, I want to look at it based on three things. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. Let's first look at time. Now I got to tell you, time, it's something that's so important and so many people right now they don't open up their hearts if they if you would just spend time with somebody they would get blown away in this world we have social media social this social that people don't talk to themselves talk to people anymore they'll do it by way of texting phone but as far as being with that person talking to that person spending time with that person face to face it doesn't happen anymore time it's one of the most precious gifts that we have in our hospitality, for our hospitality. Making time for others. We must see beyond ourselves and see the need in other people's needs, in other, in other people's lives. <clears throat> Sometimes, don't we just get so caught up with our own lives? Sometimes we just get so caught up with our own problems. It happens to all of us. You know what? Before I can help somebody else, I'm going to first fix myself. I'm going to first fix and do this, and then I'll start... And that can happen to all of us. We've all been there. But we must remember that when we reach out to others and show others Christian hospitality, God supernaturally helps us with our own issues and our own problems. It's counterintuitive. No, I first got to take care of myself. And all of a sudden, all you start thinking about is just your problems. But as you reach out, you open up your heart and you help somebody else out, God supernaturally helps you with your own problems. 
if we don't do this, we don't reach out to others, the kingdom of God is going to suffer. God, he's convicting souls, he's saving souls, but he needs more people to be able to be, to helping these souls and touching them through Christian hospitality. And there aren't any. Many people do it, but there's a lot more needs. And so these people fall by the wayside because we're lacking Christian hospitality. The second thing beside time is talents and the gifts that God has given you at salvation. In other words, the love of God in you. Kindness, encouragement, saying an encouraging word. The ability to be able to speak and communicate with another being. And not just to speak, but especially to listen. I know I'm trying to learn. I have a problem with that. And so it's not just talking, but listening and having a conversation. Hearing that person out. Being a sounding board. And then praying for that person. I'm too shy. Quiet. I have a hard time talking to people. God could help you with that. God wants to be able to use you to be able to touch those people. Just like he did Moses. Moses says, God, I can't talk. And God, I'm going to help you. And he was able to listen to God and did a miraculous thing because he made himself available to God. Your talents can also be your ability to relate to a certain age group. In other words, sometimes there are some older people, okay? Me, 55, going on 56, or even older. And there can be some people who are 18, they go, I want to help those people. I want to talk to them. And truth be told, <laughs> some of the older people will say, thank you very much, son, etc. But they're looking for people their age. And sometimes people aren't reaching out. Or conversely, all of a sudden you have people who are graduating from the youth ministry. You know, they're now 17, 18. What happens to these people from, let's say, 18 all the way to 25? Sometimes they fall by the wayside. You know, we used to have a ministry, I believe, that would deal with college kids, teens that were now 18, 19, and 20, 21, etc. There is a ministry opportunity there where people can show their Christian hospitality to these people that are 18 to 25. How about a young couple? If a young couple comes to church, you know, so many times I see, and I thank God, for instance, George and Jessica, or many other couples here that will reach out to that young couple that's 21, 22, 23, and they'll go out with them. And I think, thank God for that. But... What about the other younger couples rising up and being with those younger couples? Going out with them, talking to them. And the last he, it's with our treasures. The money that you get from the job that God gave you. Your car. Wherever you have a place to live, be it a house, an apartment. God gave you those things. And that God is wanting you to be able to open up your heart and share that. So where are we to be hospitable at? To show this Christian hospitality. I would say we start here at church. Do you look around when you come to church and see who's in church? Or do you just care about yourself? Do you look around and say, there's a new person there. 
I want to be able to touch that person, help that person out. And if that person goes to the altar, then before I even go to the altar, even though I may have all sorts of needs, I'm going to go speak to that person. How about somebody who's been coming to church for a while? But you see that they're down. You see that they need some Christian hospitality. You see that they just need to have somebody just talk to. Do you look around and do you try to be able to let God use you? And I'm not just talking about just your clique, just your type of people. So many times we we do that. That's what the world does. Uh, They're not my type. Happens all the time. We need to be hospitable to everyone and to all types. I think about James chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. It warns about the sin of being partial to somebody who comes to church just because of what they have or they don't have. You can read it. But rather, it says we should follow the commandment to love them just as you would love your sibling and yourself. You know, I think about Freddy Lozano. Freddy, how I miss him. And, um, you know, he had a big heart. And he would not look at partiality to anybody. He would talk to you regardless if you were um, old, young, poor, rich, ugly, good-looking, whatever. Black, white, whatever. You know, and um, where are the Freddies? Now I understand Freddy is one in a million. But we can have a lot of Freddy types. And God is looking for people to have that heart and show that Christian hospitality. In James, it says, somebody comes in and you see that he's not doing too well, doesn't have money, I'm really not going to spend time with him. Or some people, man, he's got lots of money. He's a business person. And all of a sudden, people start smooching up to him. Or, you know, um, he's a sports person. He likes the cowboy. Whatever. And people start getting into their cliques. Okay? Ready. You know, one of the things that would blow me away by him is um, sometimes I remember when our church was real small and it was um, three or four buildings ago. And, uh, uh, and even in this church, I remember, you know, um, and, and Yarbrough, he would come in with these muscle-bound guys and buffed guys. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, they would open up their hearts to Freddie. They didn't feel threatened by, it, by Freddie. You know, so many of us, is we go talk to them, and all of a sudden, they, they start showing themselves, and they, you know, they don't really want to open. But with Freddie, they open up their hearts, and next thing you know, they're crying, they're getting saved. They're, I mean, it was amazing. And all of a sudden, here comes this muscle-bound guy or good-looking guy, and we're a smaller church, and guy comes in, and all the sisters go, oh, my gosh, look at him. The rest of us guys going, man, that's competition. And some people had such small hearts that they wouldn't talk to that person. Wouldn't talk to him. You know? Just because it's competition, it wasn't that many sisters as they are today. Imagine that. Somebody comes in and they're good looking and people discount them or poor and they discount them or rich or whatever just because they're not that type or they feel threatened. Shame on us. Ready? He didn't do that. And the book of James says, that's wrong. He 
You know, where to show hospitality? You take someone out and you say, well, I don't have any money. I remember in our days when our church was small, I mean, many times we would invite people just to Dunkin' Donuts. All we had money for is, and you can get a small cup of coffee, not even a large. That's all we had money for. I mean, many of us were just working, you know, small jobs and going to school, or maybe we already were working, but we didn't have very much money. But people didn't mind because it was our hearts and because we spent time with them and we invested in them. The money is not the issue. How about another place, inviting them to the Bible study you go to? doesn't cost you very much, right? You just invite them. It's not even at your house. You just invite them to the house or the apartment. And then let's talk about inviting them to your house and to your apartment. You know, in this day and age, our homes have become almost like literal fortresses. It's our escape from the world. It's our last line of defense from the world. I've had a hard day. Got lots of pressures. This is where I can relax. I don't want anybody here. Instead of being a haven for guests, they're a haven from guests. And sometimes, oh yeah, why don't you just come over? Why don't you just drop on by? But if they did, you would drop on dead. Because you really didn't mean it. You say, I don't have money to invite people over to my house. Again, I remember many times, we'd go over to this this person's house or whatever, and we had three liter of Coke and some chips. And that was it. But we had a great time. Your invitation, your time, and Christian hospitality is what they'll really remember and appreciate. Now, you may, you may be saying here, well, I have been coming to this church for a little while, and nobody has invited me. Well, first of all, I'm sorry about that. Hopefully, this message will change that, because it's not right. But let me challenge you by saying this. Why? Don't you invite somebody to your apartment or to your house? If you think that nobody is befriending you, why don't you reach out and befriend somebody? You know, if we see a problem, we can either point out that problem and be a part of the problem, or we can say, I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm going to have climate change in my life and make a change. If I see that some people or whatever are not doing it, I'm going to do it myself. And I promise you, God will bless you for it. You'll gain Christian. Something will change. Something will break. And all of a sudden, you'll start making a climate change if there is, in your perception or reality, a problem. And then what about Christian hospitality by having a Bible study even in your house. This is how the early church grew. They had Bible studies in the houses. Now, it's too much of a hassle. 
Well, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a lot of work. It is. You know, i got to tell you, my wife, she works full-time, has a very stressful job, and when we have people over, it's not easy. But it's a blessing. We had a Bible study at our house for years. And we even had, right now we have the youth ministry here every Friday. We had it for years at our house and average 72 kids, teenagers, at our house. You could imagine. Now, we have our Bible study at Linda Morales' house. And, you know, it's, it, we have so many Bible studies in the east side of El Paso that I want to be able to have some in different places. And Linda opened up her apartment. And here she is, a single mother. Works full time. Sole breadwinner. And yet she opens up her house, Christian hospitality to the max. I remember, you know, sometimes there's needs, and people have needs, and they ask, you know, I, I need to be able to stay at somebody's place for a day or a week. And sometimes it's hard to find somebody. You know, i got to tell you, even if there's somebody that we know here, I remember, um, you know, just real recently, and I'll talk about my wife again, um, Frank and Belen. So Belen, our sister, uh, dad was very sick. And they asked, hey, could we stay with you all, you know, maybe a week, two weeks? Of course, no problem. We've known them for years. And we've been detached because they've been away for so long. So even though we've known them, we have really haven't had the deep relationship because we've been separate for such a long time. They are pastors in Rhode Island. So here, Belen's dad, very sick, dying. They stayed at our house along with their daughter. And it ended up being three months. And... I'm not, not going to lie to you. For Sandra and for, you know, it's, it's a stretch. Had to stretch herself, but it was a blessing. It was a blessing because, one, we were able to help them. Two, we got to meet them at a much deeper level. Had a great time with their daughter, Sydney. So even though being hospitable from a Christian standpoint, it does take sacrifice. It is work. It does take a stretching it was a blessing to do it. Our conference delegates, our pastors, our missionaries come in, and we can't put all of them in a hotel. So sometimes we're looking for people to be able to open up their homes and let them come and stay with them. And I think about, and it's only one chapter long, Third John. John is talking to Gaius. And Gaius opened up his heart. He had this Christian hospitality to these fellow missionaries, co-workers from other cities. And they would come in and he would receive them. But there was this other guy named Diotrephes. And Diotrephes, he did, did, did the exact opposite. The Bible says he loved the preeminence. All he thought about was just himself. And so he actually shunned it and stopped it. And John said, do not imitate what is evil. But what is good? Because what, is, what Gaius is doing is good. And he's showing that God is in him. He's opened up his heart. He's stretched himself to be able to meet the need. And Diotrephes is not showing this Christian example. He's not really showing this spiritual maturity. He's not even showing that he even is saved. Because he's even trying to stop other people from doing it. See, the Bible's clear. 
God requires anyone who claims to be a Christian to show Christian hospitality. It's one of the main ways that the early church grew so quickly and was so well established. How are we doing on that? Many of y'all do great. I got to tell you, many of y'all are so hospitable. Many of y'all stretch yourselves, and I thank God for you. How about more? How about some other people? God has been saving people. God has been, what pastor has been talking about this climate change, listen, there are some people here, it breaks my heart, that are not here, that are new converts. And they've personally told me, nobody hangs out with me. Nobody has invited me. Nobody invites me over to have a Coke with them. And I thank God for many of you all that do it, but there's so many that have told me that. This has to change. And the book of Acts saw this revival. Ah, it was the resurrection of Jesus. True. It was the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. True. And the miracles. True. But it was also because people opened up their hearts and they said, God, I'm going to show Christian hospitality. I'm going to stretch myself. And not just for my little clique, but for people that I don't even know that well. For new converts. For people that have a need. Because God, I want to be able to show that you live in me. And I want to be able to have you work through me, God, to touch other people's lives. The challenge for us today in this non-hospitable world is to show this Christian hospitality. And listen, as I close, if we do this, we'll, help, we'll be able to help lock in all this fruit that God has given us, but I believe that God wants to give us. I believe we haven't seen anything yet. I believe that God wants to descend upon us and see droves of people saved like they did in the book of Acts. But he's saying, if I save them, if I convict them, if I draw them, will you take care of them? Will you show them the Christian hospitality That's throughout the Bible. If we do that, my brothers and my sisters, I believe God's faithful. And he will show us and give us the fruit and the revival that we're praying for. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Christian hospitality. If there's somebody here and you heard this message... And you say, well, you can't really even relate to it because you're not a Christian. You know what it is to be in the world and have people burn you. I hear you. It is a dog-eat-dog world out there. People don't take the shirt off their back in the world. They try to take away your shirt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where there is a God that sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. That no matter what you've done, God says, I love you. I want to forgive you of your sins. And then, I want to put you in the family of God. You say, well, I'm already a child of God. Well, the Bible says that we're all creation of God in the world. But those who accept Jesus as their Savior and become born again then God gives them the right 
to be called the children of God. And he invites you into his family. And you then have adoption of the Holy Spirit. You are now a child of God. And God helps you to change and not be like the world, but have a supernatural love of God in you. A peace that this world doesn't give. A joy unspeakable. A hope that this world doesn't know about. If that's you, and you're tired of the dog-eat-dog world that I'm talking about, you're tired of the quote-unquote hospitality of the world, and you want change, and you want to be able to have His forgiveness, you want a new start, we want to pray for you. If there's somebody here, you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand up to Jesus. Say, God, that's me, God. I came here right now, and God, I'm broken. God, I'm a sinner, and I have done wrong things. I see that hand there. Thank you for that honesty. And God, I want to change, God. I want a new beginning. God, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be a part of your family, God. Who else will join this honest person here that God is going to help and bless? Anybody else? You're unsaved or you're backslidden. And you've walked away from God. You're right now doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Looking at things that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Talking and acting the way you know you shouldn't be acting. And that's because you've stepped away from God. If that's you, you want to be able to get it right. Raise your hand up to Jesus and say, God, that's me, God. Forgive me of my sins, God. I want you, God. I want to come back to you. That's you. Raise up your hand to, to God. To God. Backslider, left or to right. Raise up your hand. Say, God, that's me, God. All right. Brother, I see your hand there. You see me? You raise your hand. Eric? Look at me, brother. Did you mean that? I believe you did. Come up here. We're going to have somebody pray for you. Eric, you want to come pray for him? Hallelujah. All right, guys. This message here is a message for the church. It's a message for those who claim that they know God. The Bible says if you claim that you know God, you ought to be acting like Gaius and not like Diotrephes in 3 John. Where Gaius opened up his heart even to the stranger and to the person he didn't know well opened up his heart and didn't just think of himself, but he showed him time. He showed him his talents, his encouragement, his helping. And he showed him and helped him with his treasures. Is that what you are doing? Are you opening up your heart? The Bible commands us, commands us to show Christian hospitality. Are you fellowshipping with people? And I'm not talking about just other brothers and sisters, which we should be, and some people don't even do that. It's wrong. That's not, that's not, that's not healthy. We ought to be having fellowship and Christian hospitality with each other. But I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about new converts and people that we don't know that well, people that are hurting 
Are you looking for people and the need here at church and trying to find those people? Are you taking somebody out to, let's say, Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's or Corner Baker or whatever? Are you inviting people to your house? Opening up your heart and saying, God, I thank you for this apartment and this home that you've given me. God, I thank you for this job that you've given me. God, I thank you for this car that you've given me. And I thank you so much for it, God, that I'm going to allow you to be able to use me and this time, this talents, and this treasures to help other people by my Christian hospitality. I'm going to open up the altar call right now. I want us to come forward and make some commitments to God, to obey God. It's not an option for us to be showing Christian hospitality. It's a command of God. God requires it, and it shows that we know God, and it shows that we are spiritually mature. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and sing a song, brother. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you are from me. Righteousness. Righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. says fervent love stretch your love and love covers a multitude of sins are you stretching your heart 
Are you stretching your heart not just for your mom or your dad or your wife or your husband or your children, but is your heart big enough to be able to be a brother and a sister to somebody else here at church? Is your heart big enough that when they offend you, when they're mean to you, when they're not kind to you, when they threaten you, whatever, that your heart says, God, I forgive. You've forgiven me, God, and I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to let this keep me from being hospitable, showing Christian hospitality to my brothers, to my sisters, and to other people that I don't even know that well, to the new converts. Oh, but I don't like them. Did you see the way they were dressed? Did you see this and did you see that? Are your heart, is your heart big enough to break out of the clique and to be able to see a need and help out in that need and not just the types that you like? There is a need, my brothers and my sisters. And I think each one of us need to look at ourselves inwardly and say, God, I'm sorry. I apologize, God. I repent. You've given me this house. And yet, it's just mine. It's a fortress. It's a last line of defense from the world. Should be a haven for guests, but it's a haven from guests. Your car. You know, I remember when I first got saved. I remember, <laughs> I'm not sure, there's many people here. If you happen to get a car that's two-door, people would go, what are you doing? Two-door, you're just thinking about yourself. Why don't you get a four-door car where you can invite people and have people in your car? I mean, that was the mentality. It was always others, others. No, but I want a nice little sports car, Mustang, whatever else. And people would say, get a four-door. Now, if you have a Mustang, don't worry about it, guys. But what I'm trying to say is we have a mentality back then where it was broad and it was, God, you gave me this car. So it's to help others. You gave me this house, this apartment. It's to help others. You gave me this job, God. And I have some extra money. Instead of just being thinking about myself and another vacation, I see that need. I want to invite that person. I want to establish this fruit, God, that you are giving the church. And how many of you be a part of the solution? And if somebody doesn't invite me, I'm going to invite somebody. If somebody's not going to be my friend, I'm going to be a friend. And that right there is climate change. That right there is Christian hospitality. And that right there is showing that we're getting closer to God. We have the mark of God in us and spiritual maturity. Let's sing that song one more time. Focus on just that one for a few more moments and talk to God and make some commitments to our Lord in the name of Jesus.
God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, my God, for the gifts that you have given us, God. Thank you, my God, for all that you have done for us, God. Help us, my God, to be rivers, God. Help us to help other people, Lord God, to use us, Lord God, to lock in your fruit, Lord. In Jesus' name, Christian hospitality. Let's do a climate change in ourselves and in our church, and let's see God lock in this fruit and help other fruit to remain because